Chapter Seven of Bellamy, or the History of a Scoundrel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Bellamy, or the History of a Scoundrel, by Guy de Maupassant. Translator unknown. Chapter Seven. A duel with an end. Charles's absence gave Duroy a more important position on la vie française. Only one matter arose to annoy him, otherwise his sky was cloudless. An insignificant paper, La Plume, attacked him constantly or rather attacked the editor of the echoes of la vie francaise jacques rival said to him one day you are very forbearing what should i do it is no direct attack but one afternoon when he entered the office Boirenard handed him a number of la plume see here is another unpleasant remark for you relative to what to the arrest of one dame aubert georges took the paper and read a scathing personal denunciation duroy it seems had written an item claiming that dame aubert who as the editor of la plume claimed had been put under arrest was a myth the latter retaliated by accusing duroy of receiving bribes and of suppressing matter that should be published as saint-potin entered duroy asked him have you seen the paragraph in la plume yes and i have just come from dame aubert's she is no myth but she has not been arrested that report has no foundation Duroy went at once to Monsieur Walter's office. After hearing the case, the manager bade him go to the woman's house himself, find out the details, and reply to the article. Duroy set out upon his errand, and on his return to the office wrote the following an anonymous writer in la plume is trying to pick a quarrel with me on the subject of an old woman who he claims was arrested for disorderly conduct which i deny i have myself seen dame aubert who is sixty years old at least she told me the particulars of her dispute with a butcher as to the weight of some cutlets which dispute necessitated an explanation before a magistrate. That is the whole truth in a nutshell. As for the other insinuations, I scorn them. One never should reply to such things, moreover, when they are written under a mask. Georges Duroy monsieur walter and jacques rival considered that sufficient and it was decided that it should be published in that day's issue duroy returned home rather agitated and uneasy what would this opponent reply who was he why that attack 
he passed a restless night when he re-read his article in the paper the next morning he thought it more aggressive in print than it was in writing he might it seemed to him have softened certain terms he was excited all day and feverish during the night he rose early to obtain an issue of la plume which should contain the reply to his note he ran his eyes over the columns and at first saw nothing he was beginning to breathe more freely when these words met his eye monsieur du roi of la vie francaise gives us the lie in doing so he lies he owns however that a woman named aubert exists and that she was taken before a magistrate by an agent two words only remain to be added to the word agent which are of morals and all is told but the consciences of certain journalists are on a par with their talents i sign myself louis langremont georges's heart throbbed violently and he returned home in order to dress himself he had been insulted and in such a manner that it was impossible to hesitate why had he been insulted for nothing on account of an old woman who had quarrelled with her butcher he dressed hastily and repaired to m walter's house although it was scarcely eight o'clock m walter was reading la plume well he said gravely on perceiving du roi you cannot let that pass the young man did not reply the manager continued go at once in search of rival who will look after your interests duroy stammered several vague words and set out for rival's house jacques was still in bed but he rose when the bell rang and having read the insulting paragraph said whom would you like to have besides me i do not know boisrenard yes are you a good swordsman no a good shot i have used a pistol a good deal good come and exercise while i attend to everything wait a moment he entered his dressing-room and soon reappeared washed shaven and presentable come with me said he he lived on the ground floor and he led duroy into a cellar converted into a room for the practice of fencing and shooting he produced a pair of pistols and began to give his orders as briefly as if they were on the duelling ground he was well satisfied with duroy's use of the weapons and told him to remain there and practice until noon when he would return to take him to lunch and tell him the result of his mission left to his own devices duroy aimed at the target several times 
and then sat down to reflect such affairs were abominable anyway what would a respectable man gain by risking his life and he recalled norbert de varenne's remarks made to him a short while before he was right he declared aloud it was gloomy in that cellar as gloomy as in a tomb what o'clock was it the time dragged slowly on suddenly he heard footsteps voices and jacques rival reappeared accompanied by boisrenard the former cried on perceiving duroy all is settled duroy thought the matter had terminated with a letter of apology his heart gave a bound and he stammered ah thank you rival continued Monsieur Langremont has accepted every condition. Twenty-five paces. Fire when the pistol is levelled and the order given. Then he added, Now let us lunch. It is past twelve o'clock. They repaired to a neighbouring restaurant. Duroy was silent. He ate that they might not think he was frightened and went in the afternoon with boisrenard to the office where he worked in an absent mechanical manner before leaving jacques rival shook hands with him and warned him that he and boisrenard would call for him in a carriage the next morning at seven o'clock to repair to the wood at vesinet where the meeting was to take place all had been settled without his saying a word giving his opinion accepting or refusing with such rapidity that his brain whirled and he scarcely knew what was taking place he returned home about nine o'clock in the evening after having dined with boisrenard who had not left him all day when he was alone he paced the floor he was too confused to think one thought alone filled his mind and that was a duel to-morrow he sat down and began to meditate he had thrown upon his table his adversary's card brought him by rival he read it for the twentieth time that day Louis Langremont, one seven six rue Montmartre. Nothing more. Who was the man? How old was he? How tall? How did he look? How odious that a total stranger should, without rhyme or reason, out of pure caprice, annoy him thus on account of an old woman's quarrel with her butcher he said aloud the brute and glared angrily at the card he began to feel nervous the sound of his voice made him start he drank a glass of water and laid down he turned from his right side to his left uneasily he was thirsty 
he rose he felt restless am i afraid he asked himself why did his heart palpitate so wildly at the slightest sound he began to reason philosophically on the possibility of being afraid no certainly he was not since he was ready to fight still he felt so deeply moved that he wondered if one could be afraid in spite of oneself what would happen if that state of things should exist if he should tremble or lose his presence of mind he lighted his candle and looked in the glass he scarcely recognized his own face it was so changed suddenly he thought to-morrow at this time i may be dead he turned to his couch and saw himself stretched lifeless upon it he hastened to the window and opened it but the night air was so chilly that he closed it lighted a fire and began to pace the floor once more saying mechanically i must be more composed i will write to my parents in case of accident he took a sheet of paper and after several attempts began my dear father and mother at daybreak i am going to fight a duel and as something might happen he could write no more he rose with a shudder it seemed to him that notwithstanding his efforts he would not have the strength necessary to face the meeting he wondered if his adversary had ever fought before if he were known he had never heard his name however if he had not been a remarkable shot he would not have accepted that dangerous weapon without hesitation he ground his teeth to prevent his crying aloud suddenly he remembered that he had a bottle of brandy he fetched it from the cupboard and soon emptied it now he felt his blood course more warmly through his veins i have found a means said he day broke he began to dress when his heart failed him he took more brandy at length there was a knock at the door his friends had come they were wrapped in furs after shaking hands rival said it is as cold as siberia is all well yes are you calm very calm have you eaten and drunk something i do not need anything they descended the stairs a gentleman was seated in the carriage rival said dr le brumont duroy shook hands with him and stammered thank you as he entered the carriage jacques rival and boisrenard followed him and the coachman drove off he knew where to go the conversation flagged although the doctor related a number of anecdotes 
rival alone replied to him duroy tried to appear self-possessed but he was haunted continually by the fear of showing his feelings or of losing his self-possession rival addressed him saying i took the pistols to gastine renette he loaded them the box is sealed duroy replied mechanically thank you then rival proceeded to give him minute directions that he might make no mistakes duroy repeated those directions as children learn their lessons in order to impress them upon his memory as he muttered the phrases over and over he almost prayed that some accident might happen to the carriage if he could only break his leg at the end of a glade he saw a carriage standing and four gentlemen stamping their feet in order to keep them warm and he was obliged to gasp in order to get breath rival and boirenard alighted first then the doctor and the combatant rival took the box of pistols and with boirenard approached the two strangers who were advancing towards them duroy saw them greet one another ceremoniously then walk through the glade together as they counted the paces dr le primont asked duroy do you feel well do you not want anything nothing thank you it seemed to him that he was asleep that he was dreaming was he afraid he did not know jacques rival returned and said in a low voice all is ready fortune has favoured us in the drawing of the pistols that was a matter of indifference to duroy they helped him off with his overcoat led him to the ground set apart for the duel and gave him his pistol before him stood a man short stout and bald who wore glasses that was his adversary a voice broke the silence a voice which came from afar are you ready sirs georges cried yes the same voice commanded fire duroy heard nothing more saw nothing more he only knew that he raised his arm and pressed with all his strength upon the trigger soon he saw a little smoke before him his opponent was still standing in the same position and there was a small white cloud above his head they had both fired all was over his second and the doctor felt him unbuttoned his garments and asked anxiously are you wounded he replied no i think not Langremont was not wounded either, and Jacques Rival muttered discontentedly, That is always the way with those cursed pistols. One either misses or kills one's opponent. 
Duroy was paralyzed with surprise and joy. All was over. He felt that he could fight the entire universe. All was over. What bliss! He felt brave enough to provoke anyone. The seconds consulted several moments, then the duelists and their friends entered the carriages and drove off. When the official report was drawn up, it was handed to Duroy, who was to insert it in the echoes. He was surprised to find that two balls had been fired. He said to Rival, We only fired once. The latter smiled. Yes, once, once each. That makes twice. And Duroy, satisfied with that explanation, asked no more questions. Monsieur Walter embraced him. Bravo! You have defended the colours of la vie française. Bravo! The following day at eleven o'clock in the forenoon, Duroy received a telegram. My God, I have been frightened. Come at once to Rue de Constantinople, that I may embrace you, my love. How brave you are! I adore you, Clou. He repaired to the place appointed, and Madame de Marelle rushed into his arms, covering him with kisses. Oh, my darling, if you only knew how I felt when I read the morning papers! Tell me, tell me all about it. Duroy was obliged to give her a detailed account. You must have had a terrible night before the duel. I know I slept very well. I should not have closed my eyes. Tell me what took place on the ground. Forthwith he proceeded to give her a graphic description of the duel. When he had concluded, she said to him, I cannot live without you. I must see you, and with my husband in Paris it is not very convenient. I often have an hour early in the morning when I could come and embrace you, but I cannot enter that horrible house of yours. What can we do? He asked abruptly, How much do you pay here? One hundred francs a month. Very well, I will take the apartments on my own account, and I will move at once. Mine are not suitable anyway for me now. She thought a moment and then replied, No, I do not want you to. He asked in surprise, Why not? Because. That is no reason. These rooms suit me very well. I am here, I shall remain. He laughed. Moreover, they were hired in my name. But she persisted. No, no, I do not wish you to. Why not, then? She whispered softly, tenderly. Because you would bring others here and I do not wish you to. 
indignantly he cried never i promise you you would do so in spite of your promise i swear i will not truly truly upon my word of honour this is our nest ours alone she embraced him in a transport of delight then i agree my dearest but if you deceive me once just once that will end all between us for ever he protested and it was agreed that he should settle in the rooms that same day she said to him you must dine with us sunday my husband thinks you charming he was flattered indeed yes you have made a conquest did you not tell me that your home was in the country yes why then you know something about agriculture yes very well talk to him of gardening and crops he enjoys those subjects all right i shall not forget she left him after lavishing upon him innumerable caresses end of chapter seven recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey